That's a parable of the kingdom. You know, and the point is, God is the only one that has the right to say, me first. And the people of the kingdom of God will be the people that are not resentful about making him first, but who know that this is the just and the right order because he is the best. And our journey is to come to a place where we can do that on a quantitative, qualitative level that brings his heart and opens his heart and his favor in unprecedented ways to our nation, to our region, to our lives. This is the journey. So where are we? All right, second time. So here we are, second time. Great favor. Oh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't read the rest of the verse. So let me just quickly. So worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory. And every creature was in heaven and under the earth and, uh, and uh, on the earth and under the earth. And such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down, worshipped him who lives forever and ever. So heaven is orchestrated to minister to the need of God. And what happens, and here's, here's the, here's the um, uh, reciprocal nature of this, that when, when, God is, when God is ministered to, he releases the essence of who he is. Okay. We're not tricking God into doing something he doesn't want. And we're not trying to use his words against him. We're not trying to leverage promises. We are, you know, we're, this is not a legal relationship. Well, you know, when we, I got born again, you said you were going to do this to me. Well, that's a really immature viewpoint of what this is about. This is about a relationship where, where, where you can say, like Jesus said, I, I, um, what is it? I long to do your will, O oh God. Right? I long to do. I'll follow hard after you. I'll follow hard after you. It's like, you know, what does it say about us when suddenly, you know, well, I'm not sure this is what I, I signed up for. I'm not sure, you know, this is not really what I, I, I asked for. I, I heard there was going to be blessings. I heard life was going to get better. I heard this. Well, that's it. No more love for you. I'm going to hold back. I'm going to, I'm going to, well, you know, you know, I'm going to stew for a while. I'm going to be sit back and get angry, you know, glorify your name. Now, sometimes, you know, we, we'd never actually come out and say that. But what if that's underneath the surface of a coldness in our hearts and in our worship that creeps in? Mad that we're not getting our way. Anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on that. It's kind of a downer, right? So, so she's ministering to the king. He says a second time, you have favor. Up to half my kingdom. That's immense. I don't think, I don't know if they really meant that, but that's a lot. So she says, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet, which I will prepare for them tomorrow, and I will do... As the king has said. Wow. So, you know, big day for Haman, right? Woohoo. 
He's loving this. He's, he's being honored. It's so great. So, but again, Haman is a side note, sidebar. The king's heart is beginning to open. But something happens now. There's another banquet coming. And as we know, there's another moment coming where, where uh, Esther releases her petition, right? But something happens after this. And this sort of points to the significant prophetic development that we've seen around gatherings again and again and again, where all of a sudden the invisible and mysterious administration of heaven starts to be released. Because you have to realize that when the church, when the people of God actually start to minister and really touch the heart of God, and aren't quick, you know, to just get through a routine of, well, what are we doing? Three songs, okay. Third song, okay, just one more verse and then we're done. Yeah, it's so hard. Let's get to something that ministers to me. Uh, you know, if we, when we touch his heart, the essence of who he is starts to open. So here what you have is, is a picture of this opening that starts to happen. Let me tell you this right now in Canada. Right now in Alberta, you know, we have, we have issues. We have political issues. We have social issues, obviously, but we have financial issues. Uh, political issues around philosophies of, of, you know, I won't get into it, are all affecting the financial issues and the social issues. But we have leaders who do not understand uh, the will of God and in some cases may even be bent to destroy our way of life in order to supplant it for something else, maybe. How do we deal with that? How do you and I change that? How do we cause that to happen? What if the enemy is plotting in some physical way, some real way? You have to realize what Esther was up against here, you know, most of our challenges are pseudo-challenges in that, you know, well, I need a raise. And, of course, if you, see, if you don't get the raise, you're still alive, right? But if this doesn't happen, they're dead. They're all dead. Life and death, I mean, it's, it's a pretty serious scenario. And so, uh, so there's, there's, a, there's this plan, this very concrete plan to destroy them, and it has to be undone. So when we touch the heart of God, when we actually begin to worship, because there may be hundreds of needs in our lives, but the biggest need, right, for me is, God, I, I want to see I want to see our, our nation saved. I want to see p- people come to the knowledge of God. I want to see people realize how beautiful you are and that bending the knee is not such a big deal. You know, humbling ourselves before you and worshiping you and giving you everything is the least of what you deserve. So let's look at this uh, verse. I think it's uh, chapter one, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Remember, two banquets. It's already really three offers, right? Three offers. First one, second one, third one. Three favors, levels of favor already. That night, the king could not sleep. Hmm. God is disturbing the king's sleep. So one was commanded to bring. So somebody else had to go get the books. That's the great thing about being king. You don't even have to get out of bed. I can't sleep. Get me this. Anyway. So so one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles, and they were read before the king. He didn't even have to do the reading. 
And they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers, who had sought to slay the ha- lay hands on, on the king. Yeah, right. Told, so he told about this plot. Anyway, he starts reading, and here's the scenario. He's, he realized, wow, you know, the uh, Mordecai saved me. He saved my life. And he's, he's thinking, what has been done for this guy? So the next day, he, he, uh, he starts getting this reward ready for Mordecai. Now, what is that? That is uh, prophetic coincidence. It is, it is the invisible administration of the kingdom of God that happens in the invisible war- places of the world around you when the heart of the king starts to open. You see, when the heart of our king starts to open, when we really touch him, not that token touch so we can get something we want, but really touch his heart, and his heart just whoosh, begins to open. Again, here's the two levels. What do you want? That one thing that you want, I'm willing to meet that need. The other is my heart is opening. What happens when the heart of the king is opening? All of the goodness that is in his presence, all of the life-giving capacity that is in God, every conceivable thing that your life needs, potentially, things you can think of, things you cannot even think of, Things you know, things you don't know are met out of the abundance of who he is. You see, when we're, when we're talking about the need to change a nation, and that's what we're here for. We're here to disciple nations. We're here to change cities and provinces and nations. And it takes more than, well, we want this need met and this need. And Lord, we pray for this and we pray for this. I mean, you know, nobody could tabulate the amount of requests. And even then, there would just be more requests after that request. What we need is the heart of the king opened so that he releases his goodness over the land. The gatherings are an expression of a corporate Esther. We here as a church, we don't want to be stuck in the immaturity of that linear need to get our needs met. We want to have a divine relationship with the King of Kings so that we are touching the desire of his heart and his heart begins to open towards us. And all of a sudden then just one thing after another just starts to fall into place. This is the administrative thing administration of the kingdom of God. It says that God opens in his hand and satisfies satisfies the need of every living thing. Yeah, we want some of that. That's what we we want some of that. God, how can you do that? How can you how can we and here's the question, how can we in Canada appeal to you such that you start to disturb uh, the sleep of our prime minister, such that our, the people who are in power and influence can re- experience changes of heart, coincidental moments where suddenly their plans shift and they've come, come into alignment with your plan because something of the essence of God made it possible. I remember when we were first repenting about the anti-Semitism in Canada, and we were in uh, Harrison Springs. It was a precursor to the, the, the long journey, and I won't get into the journey of that, but, but we had, this was introduced for us, and I was familiar with it because my mom had a ministry to the Jews, 
But but uh, most were not familiar with Canada's heinous history around Jewish anti-Semitism. Probably most of you don't even know about it today. It was awful, awful stuff that went on in our in our politi- political world and in uh, bureaucratic policy. It's brutal, pre-World War II, and and so on. And uh, so we are there, and we are repenting for this as the church. About five hundred of us were repenting for this, right? And um, the next day, again, this is one of those tokens. It's like the picture of the, the, the ark over the, those three events, three different arcs over three events. There's a picture of God saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm on this. I'm on this. I'm with this. This is, this is my heart. You're touching my heart here. So we are repenting. And the next day in the national papers, uh, our prime minister at the time was Jean, Jean Chrétien, and he was traveling in Europe and made an unscheduled stop to Auschwitz, an unscheduled stop. And when he saw what was there, he was moved in his heart, and he made a declaration and wrote something and and signed it, saying that Canada would be a leading nation to ensure these kinds of atrocities never happen again. What is that? It is a token of God stirring the heart of the king, waking him up at night. It is the unfolding of a prophetic kingdom administration that can bring into line circumstances, details, uh, policies, scenarios way beyond our actual grasp. See, there's things that you can touch because it's within your purview to touch. But if we want God to change a land, we need him to open his hand and satisfy the need of every living thing in Canada. And for that, we need a corporate Esther. I mean, I, 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 want, I want to see two things coming from this. On the one hand, I want to see us to understand that this is an important aspect about the kingdom of God and what God is doing in Canada and along the gatherings and part of what I'm involved with when I travel. But I also wanted to begin to set up a marker for us in terms of what does the maturity of our future look like as we ascend, as we mature, as we increase. What we're, what we're getting to a place is where we're more concerned with God's needs. Which, you know, I'm not going to point any fingers other than at me. But I can tell you that's been a long time coming, very slowly coming. And it's like, you know, worship, worship, worship. Okay, I got a list of things. You know, kind of, let's, uh, let's get the your stuff out of the way, God, so we can get to my stuff. So, you know, I don't have to say that much more. But this thing, this, this plan, this agenda starts to unfold. It starts to unravel. And this is, this is what happens when we as a church, when we as an individual, when we as a nation, the church within a nation, can begin to touch the heart of our king. He releases something that causes uh, a chain of events that will unfold the plans of darkness. There are plans right now. I mean, things that could hurt us financially in this province, things that could hurt us in the sight of God in our nation. What if those things could be unfolded? What if we could unlock an administration? You know, who knows what happened? Did God send angels? Did the angels go down there and, and poke the king while he's sleeping? Whatever happened, it's, it, was, it was a release from heaven to the earth. And this is what we want. Our worship, our ministering to God, our coming before him. We may not be thousands of thousands, but when we with a full and complete heart given to 
coming to a place of maturity, first of all, where, God, we really do want what you want. We are really interested in satisfying your need to be the center because you have the right, and that is not a selfish thing. And even every time I say that, I feel like, really, what, is God selfish? No, because it's not the same as us. We don't deserve the center. He is the center. He is the source. So there's nothing selfish about it. It's, it's required because it is the right order of things. And when we can satisfy that, all of a sudden, everything that's right begins to unfold. The rightness of this one thing begins to correct the wrongness of every other thing. It begins with us. I mean, obviously, we don't represent our whole nation, but we are a part of something. And every time we worship, our lives and all the needs and all the dysfunction and all the things you can't put your finger on and all the circumstances that could be different hang in the balance for you. And God is saying, put me first. Just put me first. Put me first. Actually, and, and, and it requires a certain amount of humility because sometimes, you know, and again, uh, as a young Christian, I, got, I was getting all my ducks in a, wall, a row. I was getting all my worship ducks in a row. Okay, how do I do this? Okay, you've got to pray in the name of Jesus. got to lift my hands. got to dance. got to got to do all these things. That's great. But, you know, you're doing it kind of mm, legally in the sense that it's, it's what needs to be done. It's what ought to be done. It wasn't because I really wanted to do it in my heart of hearts. Wanted to put him first. Wanted to honor him. Was hungry to see his heart satisfied. That's something we come to. Something we are coming to. But when we do, it opens. It opens something. So, Father, we want to say today that we want to see your heart open We know it'll meet our need. But Lord, there's something you long for in your people. There's something you long for in our embrace, in our love, in our worship that is so pure, so focused on you. So Lord, we just say right today, more, Lord, more. In Jesus' name. Now, I know we've gone over 25 minutes, so I'm going to call Chris back, and we're going to close up today. Uh, You know, I wish we had more time, but I I don't want to keep people too long. So just with that, just a reminder that we have prayer on Wednesday nights, and uh, we just want to encourage our, our body to come and be part of that, just an opportunity to praise God, to declare our love for him once again. And so we just encourage our body to do that. And as Pastor Mark's talking, I want to encourage everybody, we're not just talking about a Sunday here. We're talking about worshiping him with our life every day, all the time. And that's what he wants. It's not just Sunday morning, not just Wednesday, every day. So, Father, we just pray a blessing on each one that is in this house today. Father, we thank you for bringing them in here, and now we pray that you would go out with them, that you would guide them, that you would lead them in everything they do this week, God. And, Father, once again, we just truly want to say we love you, and we give you glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You are blessed and released to go home. Happy New Year. Yes, enjoy your New Year.